you to go! If we go, there's a chance there won't be a fight. Stone Powder! If we don't go in that, there's no chance! None! Do you understand? Coward! You've done everything you can do! Stay yourself! If the worst happens... You stay alive! If you don't kill him, they'll take you north up to Huron land. You submit, you hear? You strong! You survive! Stay alive, no matter what occurs. I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far. I will find you. Tribute show, also known as the Cinema Nine Podcast. We say farewell. <laughs> whoa, whoa, you over? Hell? Damn it! Oh, I was God. talking the whole time before that too. Welcome into the Cinema Nine Podcast. Michael Govier, Eric Branch, and Travis Roy. We're coming to you to talk about Last of the Mohicans. That'll be the main course today. Does it hold up or not? Eric Branchum chose that film. He'll tell you why, and we'll get into a whole host of topics related to that film. Of course, Cinema 9 Pod at ProtonMail.com. We have a new logo as well. We want to get your thoughts on our new logo. Let us know. Thank you again to Mr. Christian Haraminski for doing yeah. a fine job with the logo. Absolutely. It was a challenge, yeah, and he fun. he didn't have to do that. So thank you, you, Christian. If you're hearing this now or seeing it live, we salute you. Travis Roy, you live in Hazel Park, Michigan, and uh, do you think that you'll be doing a logo maybe of your own at some point? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Uh, how do you, uh, rough start today, but no, we're doing good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right, man. I, uh, it was a big, big day for me yesterday. I officially withdrew from the PhD program that I've been in. Wow. I, I, am, I, am, I wow. I'm, I'm still a teacher and, uh, I'm, I can still teach as an adjunct, but I, uh, happily have left academia and, uh, I would say that like a giant pressure has lifted off me, but I've been checked out for so long that the pressure had basically already left. I, this was just uh, making official um, something that my my you know making official the uh, the contract my body had already signed. I guess <laughs> when I just got checked out uh, mentally and physically. So I'm doing pretty good. It's a good run, Kev. Had to close out sometime. Happy with the masters. Yay! No regrets. No regrets. Okay, that's good. Eric Branstrom, maybe you'll, uh, you know, you don't have to mute your mic anymore, Eric. This is a new day. You can always stay unmuted. Believe it or not, it's a true story. 
I'm so excited not only to have this microphone, but to know that after the show, I'm going to be able to eat this beautiful cake I baked myself. Uh, it's going to be fucking awesome. What kind of cake? A white cake. Uh, white me? cake? Yeah, you never heard of white cakes? Like oh. white white cake, then white frosting. I heard yeah. white. I'm like, yeah, he white, really pushed white, it. white. He, he pushed it. Character from True Blood. Yeah, okay. it's a, a training day tribute cake. Hoyt, Officer Hoyt, Officer Hoyt baked a cake today. Hey, 20 year anniversary of training day. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, Is that what the cake's for? Happy anniversary. No. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 20 anniversary of 9 11 coming up. So, are you baking a cake for all the people that died? Why not? Yeah, why not? That would be nice. Or you could bake a cake for my 20th anniversary of being 21 years old. Or or we could start the show over again. What's your choice? Yeah, this feels like a wash. No one's even watching at this point anyway. It's only three minutes in. We could just we could just start right over. No one would even know. That's true. But uh no one's gonna edit that. So yeah, well, anyways, cinnamon iPod, Eric's baking cakes, Travis dropping his PhD. Uh what am I doing? I don't know. I don't really have I'm sure there's something happening. Living in Waco? How yeah, are you? I'm, I'm working out not too bad, you know. I'm working out here with the branch divinians to try to rebirth. <laughs> There are surviving members, even though they weren't at the actual compound. They uh, were scattered around the country. They're trying to regroup here in my current compound <laughs> in Wayne <laughs> County, Michigan. For anyone confused right now, Mike lives in a sprawling, I don't know, <laughs> megaplex. I don't know what it is. Uh, I told you guys, making... it's a former yeah. veterinarian. Uh, you know, it used to be a veterinarian hospital, but like yeah. a, a big, healthy piece of land and a barn and all that shit. And, and now just, it's nothing. And just you. Just you. No now horses, you. no rabbits. There's plenty of, there's a shitload of kennels over here, like stacked up, like 20 of them back there. It's really weird. You want to, anybody needs extra kennels, uh, we have them back here for free. Empty kennels. So, this sounds like a yeah. place where people murder people. This like an abandoned <laughs> veterinarian. Are you a serial killer, Mike? I actually, maybe, I think we're hobby. getting to a point where you guys are going to write the script. We're actually going to shoot scary movie on this property. I that think would be fucking that's, awesome. That, that is where all this is leading to. We didn't even know it. Oh, wow. Full circle. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you could, you'll do all the writing and stuff. I'm happy to be on the the crew and you know work camera or anything if you need it. So you can produce. Executive uh, yeah, producer sure. Mike Govier. Yeah. Location I'll work scout. The catering. Yes, <laughs> line producer. Yeah. One, I found the one place. That's it. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, everything's uh, moving along here. Uh, July. What day is this? July fifteenth. Yeah, we're halfway through July, and uh, Eric and I got some birthdays coming up next month. That's fun, right? It's the 27th anniversary of the day I got my Super Nintendo. Uh, that's kind of a fun fact. I'll always remember wow. July 15th. Then the night I got my Super Nintendo, my dad took me to see Wolf. So July 15, 1994 was a great day. Mm. Oh. That's a good <laughs> Yeah. So he didn't take you to see the previous Jack Nicholson effort from 1992. Um, well, you couldn't on that day. No, but... What, the one I texted you guys about the other day, remember? Oh, uh, man, man Trouble, which yeah. <laughs> you asked me about Man Trouble, and my response was like shit movie or something. And the reality <laughs> is, is I watched that when it was new, but I, I had the savvy of a 12-year-old to be like, yeah, this is no good. I don't think I don't need to revisit as an adult. <laughs> I was, never heard of it, and I've never seen it. And the trailer looks so dumb. It looks awful. like good. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I got to find out for myself. That's a you let actually, us know. that's another uh, catalog I got to close out because I've never seen truly every Nicholson film, like every single one. He's got a lot I've more seen... early on ones than you would think. There's He know, does. Yeah. There's yeah. stuff in the 70s and 80s I haven't seen, particularly the 80s. Well, actually, I saw most of the 80s. I've seen like... Uh, Heartburn. Uh, Heart, Heartburn, <laughs> yeah. Awful. And I watched... I told you I watched Ironweed, but I turned it off. I just was Loved like... It. Wasn't, wasn't feeling it. So, anyways. Yeah. Jack Nicholson's still alive. And his final role 
was in a how movie do you know then. yeah how do you know that's right how do you know that was it that's how he went out and it's been 11 years so i don't think we're getting another role from him no and, no he, he's like officially retired i'm pretty sure he is yeah. uh all right yeah so has anyone else been to the movies by the way recently like the actual theater again besides I, black you went oh, to see man. black widow last week which you yeah, told us about i saw black widow last week i i was going to go tonight but i you know i'm here for the podcast but and uh, and i have a busy weekend planned but i'm thinking sunday night i'm gonna go see the new nicholas cage offering pig I'm there it is yeah it's playing here too i was thinking about it in the main theater in an old like 100 year old theater I, I would love to go see pig yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see that i'm, gonna see I'm blown away that that su- the Suicide Squad's coming out in a couple weeks. Like, it's actually happening. Like, I, it? it just seemed like it was, it really is. It's coming out August, first week of August. I just like the last Monday. one did in 2016. And I was like, whoa, it seemed like this was a lifetime away. Like, James Gunn had so much other work to do. And then we had the COVID delay, but it's here. And I'm like, shit, is this going to be any good? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it'll be. I, I have every confidence it'll be good. Um, you do? Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think James Gunn is. I mean, I just I trust him. I, I I trust him to make a good movie, and I'm not heavily invested in anything DC. So like, I'm going in with like no stakes for me. You know, I don't care. You got especially with the Suicide Squad property as it already is, <laughs> <laughs> right? And you know, he 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 prominently uses David Dasmastian, who I'm a big fan of. The poke he's playing the yeah. polka dot guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Sly Stallone is the voice of the Sharkhead guy. Yeah, so we're gonna Shark. both Sly and Dasmashian both have made appearances in the MCU as well. So we're gonna get a little bleed over. I imagine Michael Rooker must be in Suicide Squad because it's a it's a James Gunn film. I can only assume it's got Michael Rooker in it because he's in He'll every other fucking movie. Up, yeah, yeah. Um, but you think he'll yeah, be yeah. naked like he was in Mallrats? God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Butt naked, beautiful. He got so pumped up with that towel coming off. Anyways. Don't forget, Mallrats has an alternate opening movie, too, which is so fucking weird. Uh, there's also several versions of Last of the Mohicans, which we'll get to yeah. later in the show. There is. Which we'll talk about, which could be confusing for some people. Anywho, time for quarantine viewing picks. Travis, you alluded to the fact that you might go to the theater this weekend, but what did you watch over the last seven days? Well, actually, five days. Yeah, actually we did a show days. on Sunday. Yeah, we, we our schedule was a little off. So I watched a few less movies, and also it's been a busy week. Um uh, still in school or at the end of school where I teach. So it's been a busy week, but I watched a movie called vicious fun from 2020 for made for shutter kind of a, kind of a, like, you know, these shutter movies definitely are, have kind of a similar vibe. They all kind of feel like VFW, which isn't a shutter movie, but they all kind of seem like it. Um, or at least like the look, not necessarily like the plot or anything, but vicious fun was it. It was all right. Um, a kid kind of stumbles into a, a serial killers self-help group and has to like fake it, through it kind of thing it's kind of fun um i watched jennifer's body you know i've heard about this movie uh-huh. for, it was 2009 you know, it shows up on all these lists as being like i promise it's really good you know and i'm like all right finally i'll bite and yeah you know it was it was pretty good megan fox was totally good in it she, you know she it was she's perfect for the role amanda seyfried early uh starring role for her and you got uh jk simmons inexplicably pudgy with a red like toupee on and a hook for a hand that serves no function to the story whatsoever. Like this, this character just has one hand as a hook and he like uses it. He's a teacher. Like he's not like a, like a scary guy. It's, it's very strange, but I, it was, you know, it was worth seeing. Hmm. Um, they didn't let a teacher have a hook like that in the school. It seems hazardous. No, no. I mean, it's, you know, that's, that was the norm for a long time to have a hook hand. Like I've, I've met guys with hook hands. Like it's, you know, you can't, what are you going to do? Like, I'm picturing like a big fucking Captain Hook. No, no, no. The classic, like the classic, like, oh, thing? like right. tongs, like they're hooks, right. but like, you know, 
they're more like tongs, like bent tongs. tongs. You can kind of like you can pick things up with them. I don't know how they do it. Like they do a little elbow, little elbow shuffle. It's pretty, you Mr. know, tongs. They, yeah, I mean, pretty, you know, it was very helpful for people that, that needed it in, until more recent. Very helpful. Right. Yeah. I can only imagine. I've never had any limbs blown off, but if I did, yeah. I, would, I would hook it up. Um, <laughs> I watched Gunpla- uh, Gunpowder Milkshake from uh, which just came out. I think today actually. I watched it today. Um, you know, this movie owes a lot to movies that came before. There's not a lot of original happening here. Um, it, it's very much in the line of like John Wick, which is in the line of Born Identity, which is kind of in the line, I think, of Jackie Chan. All of like these movies are like creative ways of killing people, which is one of these kind of movies, but it's like hyper stylized, uh, mostly female. Oh, with a shotgun? Um, no, no, there's no shotguns. Well, there's shotguns, but I mean, I mean, like, they're like, like one person gets killed with like a bar of like a bar of gold, for instance. So, like, you using random things as weapons. Um, no, yeah. no, no hobos yet. Um, but uh, you know, what a fucking cast you got Carla Gugino, you got oh, uh, a- Angela Bassett, you got mm. um, uh, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Paul Giamatti. Holy Ralph Innocent. Uh, this cast is just enormous, and uh, and then wow. rounded in and led by Karen Gillian, who I or Gillen, I always get her name. name Gillen. I think it's Gillen. Yeah. Yeah. But this one between, between this role and uh, oh, and, and, and Lena Headley, right? Oh, or he- yeah, she's fucking wow. great. Yeah, this is a huge cast, and Karen Gillan leads it. And between this and her as Nebula, we got a real fucking action star in our hands. Like she is doing some awesome stuff in this, and really exciting direction too. Again, like not a lot of surprises here. Kind of a classic, you know, or like, you know, there's a typical way of doing action movies. They're sort of similar these days, but it's still it's still fun. It's a fun fucking movie, and cool. so it's, it's on Netflix. Check it out. But uh, my main recommendation for the week. Uh, it was actually a documentary. I watched this documentary from 2014 called Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> yes. Now, I've seen Heart of Darkness about the making of Apocalypse Now. I've seen Lost in La Mancha about Terry uh, G- Gilliam's or well, not, I can't can't say G names today. What's his name? Terry Gilliam. Gilliam, Gilliam right? Creep. I think you got I thought you got it right the first time. All Terry right. Gilliam. Well, I was all hung up on Karen Gillan. Anyways. Yeah, um, that's so, true. <laughs> but so like these movies like yeah okay you had some bad weather you're you know you're having like a mental breakdown i have never seen a movie like honestly i i did have to after i watched this i did have to watch rewatch the island of dr moreau which you know i'm not going to sit here and say it's good but it's not nearly as bad as i remembered um uh, val kilmer is fucking horrible uh, no it's not good it's not good i like the film I, I would so not, weird i, I would not I, argue I, that's a good film i read the book i remember reading the book in high school but after after watching the documentary and seeing the original, because it was directed by you know it was supposed to be directed by this guy Richard Stanley who um, who it got taken from him because basically Kilmer and Brando like elbowed him out and uh, re- he was replaced with John Frankenheimer and you can kind of get a sense of where of where like what it was going for uh, but honestly this the documentary like what went on behind the scenes like the making of this film way more entertaining than the island of dr moreau itself and in fact like i as i'm watching by the end of the movie i'm like i would be totally down for watching not even just a movie but like a limited series i can imagine a limited series like about the making of the island of dr moreau because like it was just so fucking nutty i won't want to spoil anything but for instance the people in these animal costumes would be like dressed up in these animal costumes all day for literally months at a time at the whims of people like kilmer and brando who would or would not show up to the set. So it's just these fucking people dressed like animals getting stoned and fucking each other all the time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just in the, in the chaos 
of uh, Australia. Yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty goddamn good documentary. So it's called Lost Souls or Lost Soul, and I would strongly recommend it. It was pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, classic nightmare shoot for sure. Good call. Uh, where is that available? That is uh that's on Tubi. It's on Voodoo. I think I watched it on Shutter. It's on a bunch of. It's on a few. It's on a few things. That means, but I believe you. I think other people do too. So, all right, great, good stuff. Wait, you don't know what Tubi? Do you not know what Tubi, Voodoo, or Shutter Shutter are? I do know what Voodoo is. I'll give you that. But the other, and you guys talk about Shutter, so I technically we've talked about Tubi on this show. (laughs) It has everything, and it's free. I've never been on Tubi ever. Oh yeah, T U B I. It's it's great. T U B I. Consider it a done deal. All right, I'll check it out. Cool. (laughs) Eric Branstrom, Griffith, Indiana, movies. Tell us what you've been watching. Yeah, busy week. Watched a ton of movies and some good ones. Some I uh, went back and revisited uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's been like 20 years. You know, I, I, te- I texted you, but uh, the viewing audience must be reminded. This is a fucking Stuart Gordon, Brian Yuzna screenplay of From Beyond and uh, Reanimator fame. This is 80s schlock horror uh, masters right turning in this uh fun kids screenplay I, it's still fun it's charming and sweet i cried when auntie died and i'm a 40 year old man so <laughs> if it's been a while i'd check in it's a good time man mike i encourage you to take another look at this i've so. seen it recently uh, wholesome yeah. film the, the neighbors are assholes we get it yeah. you know that old yeah. bit that's fun yeah, matt brewer <laughs> fucking dickhead oh, matt uh, brewer. yeah 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 <laughs> so ewoks battle for endor uh, I gave a shot. I remember yeah. you were talking about Caravan of Courage. Yeah, so I was like, right, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck it. I'll watch Battle for Endor, dude. It's 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 so bad. Like, not even the Ewoks. Like the Ewok. It looks like like Kmart Ewok masks. Like the production level just completely plummeted. Terrible. I mean, terrible. It's, made, it's a made-for-TV canonical fucking it's, Star yeah, Wars movie. Canon. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And then uh, staying on Disney Plus, I gotta tell you, man, you're gonna you're gonna both laugh at me and go for it. I watched the Swiss Family Robinson from 1960. Uh, I fucking loved it, man. It's this wholesome, really sweet story. Gorgeous. Uh, photography and they brought in like every animal under the sun they were all uh, treated very well from all everything i read because i mean you know if you got a kid riding like an ostrich i'm gonna look it up and figure out like if they fucking like strangled the thing but no animal mistreated just really sweet entertainment i loved it oh 1960 we can't prove that Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a total fact, man. So I, I recommend checking in on that. Dude, talk about Jack Nicholson. Uh, I checked in with fucking uh, <laughs> Going South. You know how I always make fun of this cover box? Yeah. Where, like his dumb face is like looking through the news. He's like, oh, shit, they're going to hang me. For years, I was like, Jack Nicholson is my all-time favorite actor. And for years, I was like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. This looks so dumb. I did it. And it's fucking horrible man <laughs> god bless this cast tracy walter uh christopher lloyd mary steenberg and, and the great nicholson and he directs too it's it's so it's one of those movies it's like so unfunny you're embarrassed for the filmmakers and everyone involved i can't recommend it at all man but uh travis i took you up on two of your recommendations man and i want to thank you for both of them host from last year it's loved, so good loved it Loved so it, man. Fucking good. To take a premise like this and be on the cusp with, uh, you know, uh, the pandemic and this Zoom thing and execute it this well. We got like 
All the kills are fucking cool and innovative. The dude gets his net in the pool and all that sort of stuff. Loved it. Uh, yeah, and for, for an hour, it just gets in and out. Loved it. Also checked in with the only movie. COVID movie that I want. Sorry to interrupt, but just dude, just, like I'm not interested in any like the fucking Michael Bay COVID movie. Like I don't want COVID in no, the it, movies that I watch. But it's, it's host, host and inside. That's it. That's yeah, two yeah. best COVID movies. Period. End of story. Checked in with uh, Burnt Offerings. You recommended this think, yeah. last week. Uh, fucking fantastic, man. I've never so quite seen a haunted house film told this way where it's not just in your face monsters and ghosts it's just this eeriness of the house and the atmosphere the acting was outstanding oliver, oliver reed was superb he was so fucking scary you take i'm sorry but, well, pet, but there's pathos there too right like you yeah pet. man like you talk about like something like not i'm not i'm not going to go there but you take the shining where you got a like a father like trying to kill his own son and imagine the terror of being scared of your own dad i'm sorry but this almost does just that one element even yeah. better. It's fucking yeah. terrifying yeah. on both sides. You can tell the kid is fucking scared. Yeah. The dad's scared about what he's almost doing to us. Loved it, man. Burn Offering is one of the uh, most underrated horror films of the 70s. You'll remember like last week, I was like trying to kind of explain it. I'm like, as, as I'm, I'm like, it doesn't sound very original as I'm explaining it, but I swear it's done differently. <laughs> and Benny Davis also, I forgot to mention last week, Benny Davis is fucking oh, awesome man. in it. Off the charts, man. Uh, I love it, man. Uh, so uh, just a couple of more. I checked in with two documentaries. The first one was Horror Noir on Shudder. It's about the history of black Americans in horror movies going all the way back to D.W. Griffith and, and D.W. Griffith and those horrific treatments uh, all the way up to present day and just uh, uh, how they've been pigeonholed and how they, they came out in their own and how much Night of the Living Dead helped out and even shit like Tales from the Hood, which when you watch that, that's a really fucking interesting movie as far as social com commentary is concerned. Love the documentary, man. Tony Todd checks in. Keith David checks in. Yeah, Great fucking it. stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Class Action Park. This is a HBO Max documentary about this famous amusement park in the 80s uh, in New Jersey called Action Park. Uh, jokingly, oh, yeah. colloquial called Traction Park because so Did many Knoxville people make that happen? got heard on it. Uh, I, I heard him talking about it. A friend of mine used to live down the street from it. And he's got his own stories about it. Great documentary if you're just up for like an hour, hour and a half of just dumb fun and how oblivious these people were in the 80s. There's no standards. There's no regulations. It's just everything's totally different. So good doc. Still a lot of uh, free-for-all, no regulations in this country, Eric, believe it or not. You don't say. The, I'm just saying in other parts of the country. Big tech? All right, and that's it. Uh, some, big, some watch out for titles. Big Pizza. Big Pizza's going to get you guys. <laughs> big pizza. Don't let Big Pizza win, guys. What about fucking you, Mike? Stupid. These fucks adopt the fucking buzzwords and the zeitgeist and try to turn it against us. Fuck Little Caesars. God fucking stupid, man. It pisses me off. Well, Eric, I don't know if this is what you were talking about. But I could not stop watching all of these huh. WWE legends biographies. I'm telling you, they're all so good, Is man. that the ones you were talking them. about earlier? Yeah, on Biography year? Channel. Oh, yeah. Ultimate Warrior. Brett the Hitman Hart. Randy Roddy, Savage. Roddy, Roddy Piper. Fucking so, amazing. The Roddy Piper one got me in. That's yeah. what got me in. Because I yeah. like Roddy. I think he's a funny guy. He was an interesting yeah. character back in the 80s. And They Live is, you know, it's a fun movie. I like it. It's oh, a John yeah. Carpenter movie, too. So and it's also sad that... And surprisingly, yeah, five of the eight that they did the documentaries on are alive. Only three are dead. So that's good, right? Roddy Piper, <laughs> Macho Man, and Ultimate Warrior, all dead. Yeah. But 
they just told these stories of people I didn't really give a shit about, like Booker T. I didn't know who the fuck Booker T was. I had T no clue who he was, but I watched it. I was like, this guy is fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, I was totally like, I could care less. He wasn't even yep. my youth. It wasn't yep. a nostalgic factor, but they sold me on This guy was so yep. positive and like uh, inspiring in his story. It a got wrestler. me. I could, yeah. A wrestler. Not yeah. Booker T. Washington. Not, not Booker, Booker T. No. <laughs> no. Booker no. T. The wrestler. Booker T. Jesus. The wrestler. The wrestling superstar. Could he, he be Booker he, G. Just to mix it up a little. He is. He is black. He was one of the, like oh, so the he's biggest black superstars of all time that really was given the opportunity to do so. But he made it happen. I, I strongly <laughs> recommend it. It really blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. That's cool. I couldn't what care was less that initially. tag team call that Booker T. Was in originally? Oh, had like Harlem a- Heat. <laughs> Harlem Heat. That's a great. They were from South Harlem Texas. Heat. They were yep. from South Texas, and they fooled everybody to think they were from Harlem. People would Harlem. come up and be like, "Hey, I remember you in uh, grade school." And he'd be like, "Yeah, that was me." <laughs> so good, man. Oh, Rest man. in peace, Piper. Man, loved him. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Uh, but I couldn't believe how good they were. I, I just wanted yeah. to make a point of that. Uh, and and it was a movie. This is a movie show, but. I want, I want to watch Loki, Travis. I, I definitely listen to what you said. Oh, I took that to dude. heart. I'm going to watch it. So I'm good. going to watch it. I'm going to. I, I know really you want to. But You'll be glad. I got, just, I got this fucking Ted Lasso show. Oh, got yeah. in my, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how good it was. I hear, good, I, I hear great things. I couldn't. I, I'm, I'm blown away. I had no expectations. Like, what is this? Ted Lasso? What the hell? Soccer? Who could care less? And then I, I just was like emotionally charged by the end of it i couldn't believe how inspiring and refreshing it was i was stunned i was blown away and i'm not i'm not making light of it it really was authentically well done with great jokes and a lot of nuggets about pop culture but genuine heartfelt connections well it was just showered with emmy nominations what yesterday or today so oh was it oh okay yeah i think the season two starts next week so i had never heard of it I, i blew that out so i'll watch loki next for sure but Ted Lasso is a revelation, and I'm strongly, strongly going to recommend that both of you guys watch it because I'm wanna, going to. I've heard to too many soccer. good things. Who cares yeah. about soccer? Is it, it? I hate. I'm not a big soccer guy at all. So this is like the guy on SNL sketch is like wisecracks, like like commentator, like. Well, they did an NBC actual NBC Sports bit using him when he was still with SNL, but for right. like NBC Sports promoting the new uh, Premier League, which they got coverage of in 2013. It's, yeah. Because they had that weird credit in the show when it does the credits, like originally credited to NBC Sports. Like, what? I've never seen a yeah. credit like that. I, I, it's a fascinating evolution of a character. I mean, like, it's it been, is. he's like, for this being the first season of his, of his show, he's been like around for years in a way. Yeah, it's really odd. But it's the guy that would be like, brought to you by Vagisil and all that sort of funny stuff <laughs> on SNL. No, that um, was the more bozo. Him and Will Forte being like the bozo. That was Ted Lasso, wasn't it? Or was that or a completely was different character? I Maybe think it pretty was. Sure. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure he started on SNL, then moved that to the um, to the sports show where he'd kind of like show up every now and then. And gotcha. like he, he could have used like the name in, for both. In yeah. Car- yeah, that's what. As I understand, it, I, I never saw him on SNL, but I, I did see. Is you know, amazingly, somehow I saw him on some of the NBC. Man, so this is on Apple, right? So between this yeah. and this morning show business, Mike is He's talking got, up. They're, hit, they're hitting big. Good they're hitting shot. big. That's only two shows I've seen on Apple TV, but Fuck, they're really man. good. They're like above average, like yeah, top tempt, notch, so. Tempting me to watch TV Fuck. again, almost. Almost. Yeah, almost. Careful. Be very careful. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> you know how that be goes. Very, very careful. Let's go. Let's go. You know, you know how that goes. Uh, Why was it a fold about this? Who's in charge? <laughs> uh, 
yeah, I guess uh, I got consumed by all that that I that was pretty much it. Uh, I forgot to mention I watched UHF a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I actually, I don't know if I'd ever really ever seen the whole movie. I, I really what? couldn't remember. What? I, mean, I, I remember the talk and I remember scenes, but I'm talking about sitting down and actually seeing it. I just don't know if, if I'd honestly sat through it entirety, but it was. Don't worry. I saw it enough for all three of them. <laughs> yeah, no, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a friend of the show. Aaron's one of his favorite movies, too. Jesus. So he's a huge Al fan. Uh, I, I thought it was really funny. Oh, it was great. It's still oh, funny it's today. It's hilarious. dumb as hell. Dumb Very as hell. But. I just, I'll just think about it and I'll laugh out loud. It's, that's how funny it was. <laughs> it's well, a shame I'm, they never did another movie because I'm telling you, it's so fucking hilarious. Not yeah, too late. I wonder what not happened too late. there. Yeah. I hope you got. I mean, like it's he's getting still, kind of late though. <laughs> it's getting a little late in the day. A little late. You're right. But I would, I would, if he, if he did something now, I would, I would oh go to the theaters to see it. <laughs> hey, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> hey. This movie exists. I'm not recommending it, but I'm just letting you know it exists. Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven. (laughs) Definitely skip that one. I turned it off after about 20 minutes, but I really gave it a shot. Okay. (laughs) It basically takes one of the characters uh, that was a side character, hardly a part of the movie, a very side bit, and tries to focus on Penny. It's her career now, and it's in 2011. It's like almost 20 years later. It's insane. It's so insane that it even exists. I don't know how it got made, and I couldn't believe I found it. I'm going to give Russell a shout-out from that one. Russell, where did you find that movie, and why is it in your library? I'm just going to throw that out there. I'll leave you to answer that. I couldn't believe when I saw it. Uh, (laughs) Fucking Enemy Mine is so dumb. I tried to watch it. I tried to finish it. This Lewis Gossett. Oh, Oh, <laughs> oh, funny. Man. It's like funny. I could not laugh. So laugh all the time. <laughs> Pretty good makeup, though. Yeah, good makeup. I mean, for the time, I mean, for, I remember when I like, last time I saw it, it was new, so I was like five. But uh, <laughs> you know, for the time, it was like it pushed uh, sci-fi forward some, right? <laughs> Our back. Yeah, it, it? Po- it was I, popular. I never... That and it Kroll, was... right? Like we're like... that's true. That's true. Yeah, they did get. A, they get. A, they got a fair amount of run. Uh, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I'll leave it there. Uh, good times are coming. Other opportunities that, uh, I think I mentioned the agent orange doc last week. So we're you good. did. Yeah. Okay, great. Cool. Uh, there it is. That is our quarantine viewing picks. Uh, we got other stuff. Co- oh, I did finish no sudden move. I did finish it. So I said, I only watched the first 30 minutes last week. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not bad. Worth yeah. seeing. Yeah. 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 That's it. I'll leave that's it our review. Yeah. That's nice job, Soderbergh. And I mean, nothing amazing, but you got the job done. And I'll give you three stars, three and a half stars out of five, three, maybe two and three quarters out of four. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a slightly above the middle kind of movie, but it's good. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's clearly a good movie. I and when I finished the movie too, I, I, I couldn't stop looking at those bending lens things on the edge every right? time. Yeah. I couldn't stop doing that. So what that the fuck? Ruined it for me. It, it, it I, maybe I should have pointed it out to you and to the rest of yeah, the audience. Actually, yeah, I, it's been kind of hard not to it, notice. I, kind of, I know. I I really noticed it in a scene where Harbor's coming up to the front door of his house later in the movie. It's like, oh, good God. He like right. There's a few. <laughs> there's a few times where it's just like you can't help but notice it. And you're like, what you can't. It's very what's it's going really on bizarre. Here? What's going on here, uh, Peter Andrew or whatever your name is when you are pretending you're a cinematographer, Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> That's his father's also, name. He uses his father's I, name because he actually does the cinematography himself in his movie. So he uses his father's name as cinematographer, and he then does the editing and uses his mother's name as the uh, as the editor. But yeah. it's all him. I love Soderbergh, and I didn't even know that. I never dug that far. Well done. 
Nice little. That's a good nugget right there. It's a fun fact. I also didn't give David Harbour credit for. I know I ripped on Black Widow a bit, but I thought Harbour was like the highlight of the film in that movie. He was so fun mm-hmm. and goofy and stupid as the Red Guardian. I liked it. He he brought a lot of levity to the movie that was needed, and I enjoyed that. So, want to give you credit, Mr. Harbour. Good job. All right, Cinema Nine Podcast, Cinema Nine Pod, ProtonMail.com, Cinema Nine Pod, and all your favorite social medias, the ones that, you know, tuck in at night and get you all comfy and cozy as you get ready for bed. Look at your Instagram and you wish you could be someone else. You know, stuff like that. I get it. I understand it. I've been get, there. Getting that blue glow in your eyes right before sleep, ah. like, like you should. Mm. <laughs> Good but not quite like, it's nothing quite like that. Oh, shit. Was it Johnny's it was- Cherokee was green? Damn it. I thought it was. Well, OK. Whatever. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, you're in a podcast of, right now, right? I know. But a friend of the show, <laughs> you guys can answer this. Do you remember Johnny's Cherokee? Our old pal Johnny T way back in the day. Was it green? Because I thought it was blue. Oh, fucking uh, God. You, John. John Takis. Yeah. Our old pal. The Corey just texted me. said it was green. He wanted to bet me five bucks. So uh, audience members, uh, people in Israel and, and Pakistan, by <laughs> all means, uh, chime in. Let us know what, what color was this guy's truck you've never met. Yeah, 2001, 2002. Let us know uh, if you were in Brighton, Michigan, uh, Osborne Lake area. thought Eric lived over there. He might have noticed it. He was right there, like, all the time. So I actually thought he could actually answer that, but that's okay. I'll let it was It was blue. I thought it was blue. I'm telling you. The goddamn bar is blue. The actual answer is blue. Actually, no, it's not. All right. uh, Did you guys post any good reviews, by the way, uh, recently on there? We're on Instagram. Uh, we haven't reviewed stuff in a, in a while, but we, you know, check out our Instagram account. And, and of course, you know, as, as we always ask, please, please drop us a, a review, a five-star review, if you can, on the Apple podcast. We don't ask for much. We don't want your money. Um, but if you could, if you want to support the show, tell a friend about us and or uh, leave a five-star review, if you would. Thanks. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I know we say no emails, but we have two emails, guys. All right. Yeah. Okay. This is from friend of the show, Chad, who's on to bigger and better things. We oh, know him right. well. Hey, Cinema 9, stalwart listener, Chad Gibbons here. Stalwart listener. That's Good word. Like, filling my call for an email on last week's episode. Not sure what you're looking for, so I threw together a Python script that searches through the Cinema 9 transcripts <laughs> that YouTube makes for each of your videos. Wow. What? That is so beyond us. Wow. Uh, I'm so right now. <laughs> And I tracked every time the word society is said in the podcast. (laughs) I've attached a chart of my findings to this email for you to take a look at. Keep on chugling. P.S. Is this the actual count? I did this. Well, according to this uh, chart, yeah, we had a record high on the Dogma episode. (laughs) (laughs) of 14. 14 on the Dogma episode, which is by far, by far more than any other one hour photo the week before being second <laughs> at eight. So we must have been on a two week society kick. I mean, and when you say we, who do you really mean? Well, I started, but you'll start, then you'll start and tagging it. You'll start yeah. saying it. So you're going to get those numbers up too. Yeah. I'm definitely the guy who is instigates it though, without a doubt. Uh, this, is your, this is your thing. We just, other runner we just ups. Think, think it's funny. <laughs> it's uh, society will always be funny. Uh, a couple other runner ups. <laughs> Closer had four. And falling down had five. Yeah, you would expect a few more of those. On that was a while back. So the lowest one, zero for Good Girl, zero for Get Shorty. Wow. So could, no, you, could he do it again for and look up the the words Paul Schrader? Yeah. <laughs> now that is something to work on, Chad. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. Wow. And last week's show, by the way, we only said it once. So 
I know. Well, I got it in this time. Yeah, we, this week. <laughs> Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader. Next uh, episode's from uh, Aaron. It says, killing them thoughtfully. Ooh, okay. All right. A few things quickly. I really enjoyed this movie. I took the money value stuff as a parody. They valued seemingly low amounts, discussion in the car about the cost of a sex worker, whereas the oligarchy during the crisis didn't value enormous sums of money. They gave that shit out willy-nilly, disappearing into the deep pockets of the elite. Hmm. Also, my favorite moment is when dude asked Brian Pitt not to smoke in his car. I love that little moment where he considers the request but then lights up anyway. Good stuff. (laughs) The last few lines Brad speaks are terrific. Like I told Travis... I, too, am an average white guy disappointed with the status quo. Also, I'm going to buy a boat. <laughs> All right. Thanks, yeah. Judd Bud. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank that's, you uh, very much. Take me out on your boat. <laughs> <laughs> he always said he would buy a boat. That's true. Uh, I guess that was inevitable. He wants to tool, uh, tool around on the rivers of good old Maryland. It's the American right. dream, man. Beautiful. It is. Own hey. a boat. Now fucking pay me. All right, right. Here we go. Fucking it's time pay. to get into it. Eric Branstrom, you chose Last of the Mohicans for our Does It Hold Up segment, a 1992 film directed by the one and only Michael Mann. Luke, where are you? Luke, are you out there? While we're at your fort, what if the French attack our homes? What then, Lieutenant? For your homes, for king, for country. That's why you men ought to join this fight. You do what you want with your own scalp. Then I'll be telling us what we ought to do with ours. You call yourself a patriot and loyal subject to the crown? Do not call myself subject to much at all. <laughs> and starring Daniel Day-Lewis and a host of other people. So, <laughs> which I think is a funny way to put it. And I'm gonna, I did that intentionally in case you were, <laughs> if you don't know me, if you don't know me, I just want to put that out there. Uh, yeah, Travis, uh, Travis, let's start with you though. Travis, come on. When was the first time you saw this film? Oh, um, well, oh, he's I, here. He's here, by the way. There he is. <laughs> Hi, Luke. There it is. All right. Friend of the show. Luke Horvath. Back, Luke. We used to live with him, Mike, as you might recall. Yeah. Uh, and, and as we were saying before the show, it amazes me that you did not watch this movie when, when you and I lived with him, because I watched that. That was my first time watching it was, you know, with him. And then like it would finish. And then he would just get up and hit rewind. <laughs> hit play again and we're like all right we're going right back in for round two like that that, that, was, that was how we rolled when we lived together we just watched the same five movies 50 times in a row certainly um, not sober though let's make that clear uh we were 22 23 i don't think we did anything sober that exactly. entire year so um so i watched it then and i had kind of like whatever feelings about it um i i, I liked it because i kind of i respected it because luke loved it and i respect luke and uh and then i um, read the book and after I read the book I'm like oh I should, I should watch a movie and uh, that was the last time I watched it uh, which was probably like I don't know I was like 24, 25 and like you know a, a book written I, I didn't check the date I want to say it was 18 when was it written? 1820s? Uh, yeah I was going to say 1870s but I'm not sure so, somewhere in the 1800s right? Wait, like, really? it's a 19th he died in 1851 so, okay yeah. so yeah so maybe 1820s or 18, so anyways it's a 19th century book right so you you expect some updates some changes and that and that makes sense but my, my take was that like it was so grossly far afield from a really fantastic book like that still is good like I would recommend it it's a good really? goddamn book yeah it's good um, but like the changes were so sweeping 
Um, and and in, in lot in some ways it just utterly befuddled me. Like the 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 characters of Cora and the I forget the sister's name, the one that doesn't speak, jumps off a cliff. Um, Alice. Alice. Yeah, th those two characters in the book, they're, like they're switched. The names are switched, and for some reason they've switched them for the like they switched them in the movie. I'm like, why would you even do that? Like it's just a fucking name. Like what? Why would you? It's just like simple stuff. Um, so I, I was pretty frustrated with it, and I haven't watched it since. And Eric, I am glad that you chose it. Like I, I know that when you brought it up last week, like I was kind of like fuck, and you, and you were understandably <laughs> understandably confused because like you and I had talked about doing this on a, a show, anyways, before. Um, but uh, yeah, my my, uh, my yeah, I was not enthusiastic to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we got that from last week's show, so the, that didn't change. Good to know. But the book thing, I have a lot more questions about that. Eric, you chose this movie. Yeah, I did. I Take did. us back in time, my friend. You know, I mean, I chose it because I remembered how much fun I had on our Legends of the Fall episode, uh, mostly because we had an opportunity to talk about uh, historical fiction, uh, you know, for what <laughs> it was. And it's been a long time since we taken ourselves back to that that era uh yeah dude i used to watch this all the time man uh petrucci and uh, tim roofer i would always talk about this in uh high school and then when i first saw it, i was just blown away uh and i'd watch it over and over and over again um wow. but it's been it's been 25 years and mostly last time i mean it reminded me to watch it because i watched dances with wolves a couple years ago and i was like fuck me like it was so different than what i remember it being it's just this this like this saccharine romanticism bullshit uh so i was worried is last of the the same thing so for a while i was afraid to to rewatch it um so i brought it on to the show and uh you know i'm i'm glad i did uh i've got a copy of the fenimore cooper book here from what oh. i understand michael mann based his he grew up watching the 1936 Randolph Scott yeah. film, so he based his screenplay mostly on that picture, which is understandable. He himself says, "Hey, come on, this is like a field guide for for this this era." But this movie is what I grew up on. I want to update this film as opposed to this this uh, much different book. So yeah, yeah, I didn't notice that until for the for the first time I noticed it in the opening credits when I watched it last night. And if had I noticed that the last time I watched it, maybe I would have been a little less critical. That is very interesting. I, 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 kudos to him for saying, you know what, fuck it, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna credit this earlier movie and this earlier screenplay. You do not see that a lot. Mm -hmm. Saccharine romanticism. That was the name of our first email band, I think. You do yeah. see it. <laughs> Sounds right. You do see it with the thing uh, and who goes there and uh, the thing from outer space. Mm. Who goes there? <laughs> I just you brought up Legends of the Fall, man. I'm just gonna start doing my hop. Yeah. <laughs> Quasimodo Popeye. Oh, is that what you were doing? I thought you were doing yeah. fucking Frankenstein. I'm like, why is he doing Frankenstein? <laughs> 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 Fuck you, man. <laughs> Colonel Ludlow, sir. <laughs> 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 the government. I wonder, if he laughed. I, wonder, I wonder if somebody told him, hey, you know, you were really great in Lens of the Fall, Anthony, but I fucking laughed when you had that stroke. It was just funny. I wonder if he laughed. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, I can see how that's funny. I get it. Yeah. I mean, I did do that movie with the, you know, the dummy and stuff. So, I mean. It, oh, I magic. Great movie. Uh, I, I thought about it. I think Instinct with Cuba Gooding Jr. was oh, probably yeah, more embarrassing because he pretended he was an ape through the whole thing. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a bad Instinct. movie instinct well as far as i remembered and I, I like to think i have a decent memory but i never saw this movie i never sat down and watched it unbelievable like i said 
I've I've seen clips. I passed through. I know it's about Native Americans. That was something I had in my mind. That was about it. I really gave it away. I don't know. Uh, there's not the lead character didn't. Uh, I will tell you this that it was a movie that everybody raved about, and it seemed like a a time consuming affair at the time. I was younger, maybe a little more short mm. attention span. I'm like, oh god, I gotta mm. sit through this. And I was into history though and stuff too. So it's kind of weird that I wouldn't. It, I know a lot of this doesn't make sense, and that's okay. I call but... that the English patient effect, where it just looks so long and boring that you stay away. I still have not seen that movie. I've never seen that one either. That's so funny. <laughs> I have. You guys can stay away. Okay, good, yeah. good. I intend to. I often mix that one up with The Constant Gardener, just because they both have Ray Fiennes. And constant Runtime? But The Constant yeah, Gardener is way better. I think I they're the assume. same director, right? I believe they were. I bet I think oh, could be true as well. Okay. At any rate, uh, never saw it. And if Luke and you, you guys are sitting there watching that, I remember the rounders runs, the ravenous, ravenous runs, all that rounders. stuff, everything, burly, burly, all the other runs. Burly, burly. So, <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I just, I just kind of passed through on this one, so I don't have a recollection, a memory, a recall, and that's okay, and that's good. This is my first viewing, first time I've seen this movie, and I sat down and watched it, and I watched it on YouTube. So, uh, real quickly, this is this the current man cut? Or what do we know about these different so, cuts? So I watched the YouTube, the cut, the free one that's on YouTube as well. That's what that, I did. That's, too. The, that's a theatrical cut. Eric, you watched ah. the the direct, the definitive director's cut. Is that correct? <laughs> definitive cut, which is one of the only instances where a director's cut is shorter than the theatrical cut. From what right. I, well, I thought, it was only a couple dark. minutes longer. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, much of a difference, right? It's not much. Of, I, I actually went to some okay. website that like broke down the differences between the two before I could before I found it on YouTube because so I was like, oh, what am I gonna, you know, I was trying to judge which one I should watch here. Um, <laughs> and it, it doesn't look like there was a like a world of difference honestly it looks it's like probably some marketing ploy to get you to like buy it oh there's a new cut buy it well well it was Mike, michael mann did it it was it's his second director's cut for the movie he did a director's yeah. cut uh and then he came back when the blu-ray edition came out to do the definitive mm-hmm. director's cut and like and it's like and both times it's like he barely it seemed like he seemingly well, barely changed anything that's the thing, like, slight tweaks like uh, he turned in a three and a half hour cut to the studio and yet when he finally has the opportunity to have a director's cut he adds two minutes what the Wolf. fuck imagine yeah. another hour and a half on this thing that, that so if you be... saw the director's cut real quick eric did they three take out did they take out the line where hawkeye says you and me are going to have the disagreement later on from what I understand, that that was a, a part of it, but I saw it in my oh, cut. Really? I think he put it ended well, up putting it, it back in. Wow. He took it out and then he put it back in. So he I, took it out for the director's cut and then put it back in for the then put it back in for the director's cut. <laughs> yeah. And, and when he said that line, I'm thinking to myself, aren't you guys having a disagreement right now? That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought this, this is it. <laughs> what are you doing right now? You fucking <laughs> sedition. What the, I don't get, uh, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah that's funny. That's a great point. <laughs> Uh, I did not look at the IMDb score. I'm really excited to find out what this one I didn't I really wanted to know this one. So I'm sure I'm people gonna... love it. It's yeah, widely it's... respected, right? It's Michael Mann, Daniel Day-Lewis alone, those names, whether you like the movie or not, they carry a lot of water. So are you going to go above eight or not? I'm not going above eight. Fuck, okay. No. I'm going to say seven, four. Oh, I would say at least seven, eight. I looked. What do you got? What, what is it? Seven seven. Yeah. Seven, seven. Okay. Win, I Michael. thought it was higher. All right. Well, that that makes sense. Price is right rules. Uh, by the way, oh Luke, uh, rounders and <laughs> rabbits. Oh boy. Oh boy. Again, he states these things, and I yep. don't know what. Yeah, we just talked about it, Luke. That's yeah. right. If you have he's, anything, he's reminiscing. To, he's reminiscing. Ah, it's like he's here. Yeah, it's difficult when you're not here with us. Uh, as far as Rotten Tomatoes go, we got a lot of people talking about this movie because it's a big deal, whether you like it or not, or you find the film to be a challenge. No, there's a lot of opinions about this movie, and we're going to give them to you because that's what we do here on the Cinema Nine Podcast. 
Critics, 93. Very fresh. Very, yeah, right? The critics love uh, it. And the audience right behind him at 88. So it's a tight-knit group on this one, which I'm actually surprised a little bit by, but okay. A, I'm surprised the IMDb score isn't even higher than with that. That's a pretty, Yeah, right? That's a pretty yeah. high fresh tomato, or Rotten Tomatoes rating. Actually, there's only three pages of reviews on this one. Shit. Oh, I thought there'd be way more. That's very minimal. We got David. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. David Anson says of Newsweek, the last of the Mohicans gets off to a bumpy start, gathers feeling and momentum, and comes roaring into the home stretch at full gallop. When this historical adventure kicks in, it's thrilling in the way old-fashioned epics used to be. D doesn't he mean it got off to a bumpo start? <laughs> Nanny Bumpo! Nanny Bumpo! Nanny Bumpo! Nanny Bumpo! Nanny Bumpo! Nanny Bumpo! Yes, the original character was called Nathaniel Bumpo. That was one of the things re watching it this time. I made a note. I'm like, okay, I, I, ha I have to accept that this isn't Nanny Bumpo. <laughs> this is Nathaniel. That was one of the big problems. Nanny Bumpo, come on with now. The, with the book verse, I, I said it right, Nanny Bumpo. Um, <laughs> From the book, you know, that was one of the big problems I had from the book version to the movie version that was that like the character is vastly different. Like the character in the book, he's fucking Deadpool, man. This guy's just like every fucking minute, he's just like rattling something off. He won't shut the fuck up. And it's just like, and, and kind of actually funny, even like 150 years later or whatever, um, really? or 200 years later. But wow. um, yeah, this, this, you know, Hawkeye is very serious, mm -hmm. very, I never, you know, okay. locks and manes and like okay. seriousness. <laughs> would yeah, you, would you forsake a year of your life to have that gorgeous hair sported by Daniel Day Lewis? In the God, film? no. I absolutely would. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You've already got a full head of hair. What do you Not like? Just that. Grow your hair out. That's the dream. Yeah, no, give I, it a shot. Go for it, dude. You're still alive. It. Yeah. What's stopping you? Yeah. I, I, if, I, I would be like the Cruella DeVille, but only for like Daniel Lewis's hair. Like you'd look like uh, Davey Havoc from AFI. God, that would be so awesome. Please don't grow oh, your hair. Yeah. I really want to do that. Wow, Davey Havoc. Uh, right. Peter Travers says the action is richly detailed and thrillingly staged. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Uh, Come on, old pal Roger Ebert says not as authentic and uncompromised as it claims to be. More of a matinee fantasy than it wants to admit. But it is probably more entertaining as a result. Okay. Hmm. And then our good pal Destin Thompson. Destin, <laughs> we got him. Destin Howell back then, oh. I believe. Well, this is uh, from January of 2000. Man wasn't thinking story; he was thinking <laughs> scheme. Keep the eyes and ears dazzled, he reasons, and the substance will follow. <sighs> I don't know. I, li I like this story. I think it's a fucking great story. But uh... you do? Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. Like the first off, uh, the love story. Like, come on. Why does it have to be a love story? So I have an issue with that. But that that is the main problem I had from the book to the movie. There's no love story in the book. I knew it. I There's knew no it. love story in the book. And, and and they Hollywoodized it, you know, and, and all that really? sweeping drama that. Like, I understand because it's fucking Hollywood. So it wasn't even just man doing it. It was the one, you know, the movie that he was referencing. I'm sure that they did it too. But like in, in the book, Nanny Bumpo is just like, hey, man, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm out here in the wilderness doing my thing, saving people, then moving on. You know, like I don't got time for love. Right. And so, yes, we get Hollywood. We know what Hollywood does. We know that you mainstreamers, unfortunately, cannot watch a movie unless there's a love connection, which is fucking dumb. But maybe we're a little smarter than that. Give us a chance. There's 
A lot of people involved in this movie. A massive scale this film is. I'll give it a lot of credit. Michael Mann's his is the Fort Henry scenes and all mm -hmm. of the landscapes, all of the big battle scenes, they're massive. Mm -hmm. Tons of extras and and those really well done. Why do their lives matter any less than these two fucking people? It they bothers don't. me. No, they, I they, know that's what bothers me. I, I mean, excuse me, but I, I I love a good romance, and I I think this movie lends itself to that opportunity to put it in there. It is it is a movie, aside from the book. For me, and while I like Cora, like I, I she has definitely some strong, really some strong scenes in it where she speaks her mind. But I I like the idea of them being interested with each other. I just don't like how the relationship is consummated i think you could have gotten a lot more out of them wanting having this desire that's never really uh wait well how is it consummated they well not physically but emotionally that's, kind that was of. one of the things i, I really fuck in the fort there no like, like, they, they just, just not seeing him him the fuck? come on fuck the place is burning I, I, down i think they just kiss and hug which i actually really like that they do yeah I, Oh, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, it's yeah. just too hot to take all those clothes off back in those days, so he's just going up in there. That's what I thought was happening. I, I, you may have been feeling it. Like, I mean, I guess like, they kind of left it where you can assume that if you want to, but based they on do. like the, the standards of the day, I would have found that pretty unlikely. Okay. Fair enough. But standards Especially, of the day don't apply here because it's a Well, she was a lady. Movie. Yeah, but she was a lady, too. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, they, they established hey, this character anyway. Dude, sometimes it's more passionate when you don't even have all of that going on. It's just... I, yeah, bodice man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what? Would the survival of the Mohicans be more important than their love affair? So that's like, that's that one be of the, the top priority. That is the big tragedy of the movie, right? To to get to the end, that the last actual Mohican who could actually have children dies. So this movie very much is about like the end of the Mohicans, and but at the same time, the movie starts and says that there's three men, the last of a vanishing race or a vanishing people, rather. And it's the father, and it's Uncas, and what's his name? Chica, Chica Waga, Chica. I can't. I don't know his name. Uh, the father, and then Uncas, and and you know, uh, Nathaniel. Which I really, really did like, though. That Nathaniel like is immersed in Mohican culture. Like English is his second language. I thought that was really cool. Oh, that is fun. Yeah, and yeah. and, and it, you know, I believe it. Chingachuk. 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 There's a G in there, too. I, I'm really, uh, I don't know the language. I'm going to call him the asshole. father. I'm just going to call him the father. <laughs> okay, that's, well, that'd be more appropriate to keep it like that. Uh, Uncas, the father, and Hawkeye. Not the Hawkeye from the Marvel MCU universe, by the way. So I mean, They don't even call, I mean, he's billed as Hawkeye, but he, they, they call him Nathaniel through the whole movie. Did you see the TV show, by the way? Anybody? The last last oh, of Mohicans TV show? Hawkeye, the Hawkeye, series. Hawkeye, the yeah. series in the 90s. <laughs> Oh, really? oh yeah <laughs> oh wow it didn't it didn't go over well it didn't work i mean so like the, the book like last of mohicans is one of a, of a series of books so the uh the what they call the leather stocking books i believe yeah deer Sl uh, deer slayer is one of them yeah yeah deer slayer i think was the first and by uh, the way uh it was written in 1826 so 1826 that was correct for, from really yeah. well done eric um well, Hawkeye from Match was named after Hawkeye because Hawkeye's father on the show was a huge Last of the Mohicans fan. So you're right, Steve. What? You're shitting me? Uh, dead serious. That's awesome. This is like Match lineage? Holy fuck. Wow. <laughs> that fun. blew my mind. Uh, all right. So I don't know how to bring this up. But can we just get to it then? Yeah, I have, have at it. Let's begin. So I thought there was going to be a bigger problem. I actually thought that 
Daniel Day-Lewis had played a straight-up non-white guy in this movie. I was going to ask you that. I was like, Mike, did you think he's yeah. played a Native American all this time? And you were <laughs> like, oh, boy, whitewashing hell. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, Mike sent us a text about like calling it bigoted trash. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, this, this, this is the last <laughs> samurai situation where people thought last samurai was like, well, Tom, Tom Cruise playing the samurai. No, it, <laughs> the, he's not the last samurai. And that's the case here, too. He's playing a white man. Yeah. I made an assumption. So yeah. uh, I'll take that back. But he's still the savior. Uh, well, so yeah, you, you know, you're, you're not wrong. Um, but like, I do think that like, so as, as an American historian, you are too, Mike, <laughs> you are too, Mike. But I mean, like, uh, what we know about, um, you know, that, that time frame is that there was a lot of bleed over between cultures, right? You had, you had, this was a, a period when you started to get like some like American Indians would like try and they would live on the outskirts or within white towns chingachukuk yeah thanks luke Thank you. um uh, anyway um it's the father but um we're a bunch of we're where they, they you know that would happen and then you would you would sometimes have white men especially especially trappers or fort fur trappers would like just like abandon white culture and like this is superior and and, and like there was that kind of back and forth and there was often like you know they talk about um indian schools kind of in, in, to a degree and it's like really weird like this white kid got put into an indian school but like it's still like it was a messy time and place and it does i mean like i think it makes sense especially also like um i think that readers in the 1820s were not white readers were not going to be on board with a with a native american protagonist they just weren't going to be like um to make natty bumpo was a, a white person but immerse him in mohican culture was a way to bridge that gap for white people and and give them maybe not the most accurate but um uh something of a of a more understanding and affection for for native culture well still a fictional tale right historical fiction so well, right. yes yes I mean, yeah, so that's a great but historical a, good historical fiction should be based in some sort of historiosity yeah right? and this is definitely i love the authenticity i think i think they call them creole people but natives would would trade they would literally trade for young white people that take in refugees so this is something that wasn't uncommon and cora was I black in the that. book though right she was black in the book yeah she was. She was that. half. She was half. Uh, black. Oh, her her mother was black anyway. Oh. Yeah. Right. Right. So uh, Monroe, the guy who's her father, the mm -hmm. British the asshole, general. Right. That's right. He took yeah his wife or whatever he fathered her with was a black woman. So probably then they yeah. call. That's why they call her the black haired. Dark, the dark hair. Haired. Dark hair. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because she's half, supposed to be black. I think she's half um, Costa she's, Rican too. The actress, right. Right. So. But like what, Madeline Stone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. They're trying to stretch her lineage and heritage as much as possible to make it somewhat acceptable but i don't know we're, we're, we're like 19 we're 1990s audiences prepared for a, a mixed race female protagonist i mean honestly well, jungle I'm, fever had come out the year before i don't know yeah yeah jungle fever came out before that was spike lee though that that spike lee is not michael mann that's true <laughs> spike lee is not michael mann although you just happen to name two of luke's all-time favorite directors at the same time that's pretty weird yeah. that you did that Wow. Good ones. Coincidence? I don't know. Yes. Uh, okay, so I can, I can live with that. But I'm going to give this movie massive credit for what you guys just both alluded to. The absolute melting pot of chaos in this movie is really well done. Like, you got the... I was confused as fuck half the time. Like, who's who? <laughs> and what? Who are you? And I, why do we always see the red coats? Like, the red coats are still something that, like, we see today. Or, like, 
But those fucking French uniforms are sweet. I love those blue. Oh, yeah. Let's see more of that. I wasn't even hardly aware of their lovely blue light kind of pastel uniforms. Very, very one classy. The, one of the things I was thinking as I watched the movie about like, like, is it they can only be so accurate with, with history, like historical fiction, because like if they made it like super accurate for one, like, you know, only the officers were, were wearing those kind of red coats yeah. as, as I understand it at that time. But like, I'm yeah. pretty sure at that time still, it was like, you know, the archers would be like hot pink and then like the cavalry <laughs> would be in like bright yellow. And so that Ooh. like, so the, so the commander could be on a field from far away and tell his people apart from one another and, and like, you know, move like the giant chess game. But people used, you know, soldiers uniforms, they used to look like fucking clowns by our standards <laughs> and it just would not translate. Uh, <laughs> you know, and- uh, but Magua, I mean, real quick, Eric, real quick. But Magua, I don't know who I got confused with his story. It's like he was a yeah, he was a Mohawk. The Mohawks accepted him, and he was a he's Huron. a Huron. He's a Huron. He tells his story. He's a he's a yeah. Huron, and while he's out uh, hunting or something, his family is killed, and his child or his wife, his children are killed, and then his wife thinks that he's dead. Uh, then he gets kidnapped into slavery by the by the Mohawks, which is common, and as and as part of like the way that slavery typically worked with, with, with American Indians was, it was kind of like you'd be adopted into their family. So he pretended that he was part of the Mohawk family and then put himself into a position to betray his Mohawk family and, uh, you know, and reconnected with his Hurons and, uh, set up that, um, ambush. Yeah. Um, but, but you make just to get back real quick. I'm sorry, Eric, but just to finish up that point that you made about the messiness of it, that's one of the things again, like there's some really good historical accuracy here. Accuracy here. Accuracy here. Um to have like you know, most there's not maybe there's rather there's not a lot of movies about the French and Indian War because people can't really handle the idea of wait, Indians were on both sides? Like, wait, I'm confused. <laughs> I thought they were all the same. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't talk about this movie without talking about the uh, brilliance and the beauty of the great West Studi. And this character, Magua, God, I could talk about him all day. It's easy to write this character off as like this badass, cool villain. Uh, but you, you don't have to look at this character as a villain at all. In my opinion, he's entirely entitled to the revenge and the justice he's He's seeking out uh, in his own heart. He does some questionable things and some things that uh, I think Native Americans even have some some issues with that I could get into. But he's such a brilliant rewritten character. These speeches he gives, I just love him so much. West Duty should have gotten, didn't even get a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. He's fucking awesome in the film. As Nathaniel says, uh, Magua is twisted and he would become the thing that twisted him. And that's, and I think that that makes a great villain, right? You ha- A sympathetic villain is always the best villain. Like you, you yep. do understand Magua's motivations. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a villain to Hawkeye and his, his Mohican friends. Right. But if you, if this was just Magua's story, you would be like, yeah, fuck all these motherfuckers they killed right. his, they killed his family and he's seeking revenge what else do you want right yeah. you cheer when he killed monroe but when you're trying when you start to like you know try and murder unarmed women and that kind of thing it's like all right what are you <laughs> Which, yeah, okay, it's, it's- so that gets me to one of my biggest problems with the movie i'm going to go ahead and get into it now um i've always had issues with a third act i've always had issues with nathaniel leaving the, the the party like just like you can make the music swell as much as you want you can have a nice little speech i will come find you but at the end of the day like hey i love you i'm leaving i'm leaving um have a nice time hope they don't rape you but like also sorry cut that out <laughs> but um but also like he not just like that risk like he knows that magua had already tried to murder in other 
other uh, Hurons had tried to murder them for being simply for being Monroe's children. So he had no reason to assume that they wouldn't just kill her, kill them both on sight. And then he just comes back. He just like waits for them to go to the Huron camp so he could stroll in and get the shit kicked out of him. That was pretty much all he did. I mean, they went and reloaded and they got some more powder. Okay. But that was, that was it. So like, I and, and like, so every time I get to this point in the movie, I'm like, this, this is, it just feels mishandled. Like it just, like, it, especially like in the book, it made more sense. Cause there's no romance. He's like, fuck you guys. I'm out. <laughs> like it just kind of like <laughs> figures, figures things out later. Uh, but like, but once you put this romantic element in there, it's hard to be like, Oh, he loves her so much. Look at him run away in cowardice. Yeah, now uh, I know where that comes from. I will find you. I was like, oh, I've heard that before. So I remember that. But. Right, because they make it all super like dramatic. But it's like, yeah, well, you just hit on a point that I was going to hit on before you got into this. They all come together. The music in this movie, and I know Eric loves it, so I hope you don't get upset here. But what if they just toned it down a little bit? Like, <laughs> like not a made little it bit? so... Maybe epic. not play the main theme 500 times? Uh. Yeah, I mean, they... <laughs> They went out of their way to make like natural lighting, a real minimalist reality type setup yeah, out there. But then yeah, this music yeah. is constantly shoved into our faces to the epic swathing oh, the mountains of the Adirondacks, even though it's shot in North Carolina. But it looks great, by the way. It looks and, absolutely Yeah, gorgeous. and not only that, and not that I want like these stereotypical like Indian drums throughout the whole thing, but the, the soundtrack is largely like Gaelic, in my opinion, and belongs in like a boy or brave heart. The guy's fucking Scottish, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Dougie McLean, the guy who wrote the yeah, actual you're right, you're right, song you're that right. they based off the actual theme off of is Dougie McLean. <laughs> it's like Riverdance shit, and it's completely not not right, but it's heroic sweep. I, I I love it, but you're right; it is smothering every beat, <laughs> and it either works for you or it doesn't. It works for me. Oh, it's lovely, but you're right; it's smothering. So when you're in those third acts and they make it so intense like that. Yeah, I can see your point, Travis. I actually don't really disagree with what you're saying, but at the same time, as a first-time viewer of the film, and if you've never seen it like I had, and you're watching it unfold, you're not, I guess it was difficult for me to question all of it as much because I was waiting to see what was happening. It's You're in that weird spot where it's like, oh, I've never seen this. I don't know what's going to happen. While you're trying to criticize it and kind of absorb it and see what mm -hmm. you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So it makes it a little more difficult. But you're, oh, I don't really argue with what you're saying. I don't think I've had to watch a movie for the first time on the show yet. I'm pretty sure I've seen every movie that we've done but i hope i never i hope that every movie that we do i've already seen before because i feel like uh going in for the first time and trying to critique it just <laughs> kind of would skew your vision on it but um what do you think of the uh of the the fact that it's a french i mean i kind of already alluded to this but it's a movie set during the french and indian war can you think of any other movie set during the french and indian war that's so interesting yeah, I was thinking about that I, I i can name maybe a few movies that took place during even the Revolutionary War. You don't see a lot of films from the 18th century at all. And to concentrate on the North American theater of this, you know, what was it, Seven Years' War, is is mind-blowing. And the thing that interests me about it is um, the farther away – I think it's because the farther away you get from this time period, the more liberal you can be. Uh, with your authenticity because we're not so attached to it. And I think that's why a lot of people uh, stayed away from it because they they may have been afraid that they were just going to be fucking shooting for the moon without any uh, artifacts. I know Cooper took most of his book from like literally wit like eyewitnesses to a lot of this stuff. That's why it's so lofty of a presentation in the novel. But, but yeah, you don't see anything. 
I, I actually, well, I mean, I think that there is like a, a fair amount of things that I found pretty authentic, which I really uh, uh, I liked. Um, I liked that there, this is this is a frontier movie, and it's taking place in like as as Mike said, like the Adirondacks. Like they're talking yeah. about going going west to Kentucky. Kentucky. Um, <laughs> so like, uh, the, like I think it, it, I think that's good because it helps remind viewers that the the frontier is a very movable thing in american history like it's not a set fixture it's it, yeah. it's it, it, the it, last it frontier shifts. was the last of many frontiers, <laughs> the last, right, yeah, right. so so to think of that as the edge of like civilization which of course is ridiculous but that's how that's how it's <laughs> been approached in american history like that that's i think that's like helpful well, um yeah. I, I think that like the whole bit about them being fur trappers and then having to move west not just to avoid the war but because they're starting to run out of things to trap, like that was an actual problem. They started to kill all the fucking beaver, uh, mainly, which was what they were after. And like that, that was that was a real problem around that time. And yeah. it was not a, not a huge issue is made of it in the in the movie. It's just a throwaway line, but it's it's authentic. Um, this is before King George said like this un, un, uh, imaginary uh, line that you cannot cross, which was why so many of the colonists were pissed off, saying, you know, we can go wherever the fuck we want to. So it's interesting. Uh, and that's yeah, a, it was a throwaway, just like Pete Postlewaite was in this movie. Reunited, <laughs> reunited from uh, In the Name of the Father. The which was the next year, yeah. yeah. Oh, is it the next year? Yeah, was but you're right. Yeah, they were in that movie together. Uh, yeah. uh, can I pitch about the guy, Duncan? I think it was terrible casting. Uh, who the fuck is this guy? And he really was annoying. Why does he have to be so proud? The guy saved his fucking life. He he couldn't have any sign of <sighs> courage. But then he has the courage to sacrifice his life at the end. It doesn't fit. That was, that was also bothers me about the third act. It doesn't fit his profile. That guy would have saved his ass for anything. <laughs> I, I don't like to say this very often because I think it's just dumb, but he does have a really punchable face. Like, and I, yes! and I, and I think it's probably because I've really only seen him in this role and he's such like a sniveling worm through most yeah. of it. You um, like him because you're infatuated with him. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen he, Waddington is his name, by the way. He's such a like a simp, like, like <laughs> you know, like just like, oh, like, like. And you're right. Like he's like delusional through most of this thing about like we're gonna have this we're gonna be this this amazing couple. We're gonna take London by storm. All this stuff. Oh yeah. What about that scene? By the way, or you just reminded me. They cut to the scene where they're just in the middle of a field at this table. Yeah. It's such a yeah. weird cut. They're like, boo. Okay. Um, there's a scene. I, I'm sorry. I, I love that scene. I, I I don't know. You know, the actor aside, like the elements at play there. This is one thing I wrote down, and this is an Oscar winner for best sound. That scene especially, I I just love so much because not only is it so gorgeous to look at but you get the you get a few things you get this dialogue which is nice dialogue you get the whipping of the sheet in the background and you have these birds in the background and the whole you can hear the horse that just stands out to me as uh on a technical aspect just a a, a great scene and i think it sets up the narrative well well what I about also... oh wait one more thing about the stress real quick what about these fucking fade to black commercial bullshit is that part of oh. the movie am i insane no yeah you're right that's terrible Dude, that's it's three times wait this happened? Are you sure this is the YouTube? It, it, may have, it may have been the YouTube cut or something, but that yeah, might have I saw been that too. Gearing up for but, ads on YouTube or something. But shit. it didn't go to. Okay, well, it didn't I go think, to commercial I, at any yeah, of the times. I, it didn't, but I think they were set up to go to commercial. I, I don't oh, think that's yeah, part of the original cut. Fuck that. Okay, um, I hope so. I'll I'll, but I'll give a pass there because I was back like, what the, the fuck? Um, <laughs> to go back to the um the the table scene. Yeah. Um, like like marriage throughout uh, America, you know, through world history, really has like a lot of time. It's been a thing of practicality, you know. Like yeah. the idea of marrying for romance is a relatively new thing, especially right. in a Western thing. 
Um, so like, I really like that they, they address that. Like they make that, like, that's part of it. Like, yeah, of course, like Duncan's like, uh, like he seems like a monster by our standing and, and he is, but I mean, like when he's like, just ignore your own faculties and trust me and your father to make your life decisions for you. But like, that was, <laughs> that was the thing. Like that, was, that yeah, was not he literally a, says, right, he's like, like, well, you, you, you can tolerate me. So that's a means for marriage. Right. 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 And like, <laughs> and like, and that seems like gasp worthy by our standards now, but at the time, like he wasn't that far off from like what it what would have no. been norm. Yeah, um, so totally and, legit. And for her to be like, um, no, I kind of want to like do, you know, follow my own, make my own choices like that. That's, you know, I think that's I like that about the character. I, I yeah. like that, that she because she kind of, you know, it's a it's a, it's a shifting standard of, of when romance mm -hmm. and marriage are the norm. So like she, you know, she's following her own path there. Yes, that's Good that's call. unique. And I, I like that, too. But all that was valid. Uh, why? Why <laughs> does she have to kill herself? Why does Alice have to throw herself off the mountain? So that she doesn't be taken by Magua and his men to be. But well, they're all right behind them. They're they're right. They weren't. I mean, they were, she doesn't know the others are behind them. They they he Uncas got ahead of of Father and uh, Nathaniel. They show up relatively late, and Nathaniel shows up in time just in time to watch his sibling die, and then Cora shows up just in time to watch her sibling die. And Alice was falling. They don't get into it too much, and I like the subtlety there. Falling in love with Uncas, so. Her potential beloved is dead. She's about to be taken by these who she perceives to be hostiles. I think it's a noble act. And God, when that look on Magua's face, mm. you can almost sense that he sees some honor in her deed too. And yet he he needs her for his plan. I love it. He's 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 like, yeah, he's he's not easily shaken, but you yes. can see it there. Yes. But the only thing better than that, and again, like he's so stoic through much of this movie. Very but stoic. when he when it's towards the end, and, and I'm again, I'm really glad that the father is the one that that kills him, not not yeah. not Nathaniel. Yeah. When yeah. he sees that he is lost, and that just that quick furtive glancing of the eyes, like fuck, I've lost. Yeah, it's yeah. just so subtle, but like, but you're right, man. West Studi yeah. is a powerhouse i'm really glad that um that that they work together again in heat him and michael mann right after that or shortly after that uh, oh yeah he's the detective part of the detective yeah I, I wish he was doing like I, yeah he's I, i'd like to he see more. got an honorary oscar in 2019 for his work for native americans in film too so god bless him that's fucking awesome he got that that trophy he, and he also could, I mean, like I, I could have seen him getting it simply for best supporting actor for. for Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a few things. I mean, uh, like when he pulls, like we want to talk about uh, whether or not these Indian stereotypes and this noble savage stuff still exists. There's some there, especially with Magua, who seems like this super intelligent person, really intelligent, voraciously intelligent. And he's referring himself in the third person, I think. That was kind of a mistake. It kind of dumps him down and makes him seem a little simple for me. This heart business, I mean, historically, from what I understand, that is something that uh, some folks would want to have go away. This idea that these uh, natives are these cannibalistic uh, beings who want to eat the heart of their enemy. That's myth. Uh, from oh, I what get I the understand. sense he wanted to eat it. He just wanted to pull it out. So... The counting coup is what they call it, right? This is like when when you're uh, if you're like a Plains Indian or or an American Indian at, at any rate, like uh, in this time frame, battle meant like you had to count coup, like and coup would be either like sometimes it depended on on the standards. It could be simply touching your enemy while in ca combat, like you're like playing tag practically, or it could be 
taking a part of them like their scalp, which, of course, they learned from the French. The French initiated that practice in North America uh, and then and American Indians picked it up and then became, uh, you know, uh, vilified for it. But uh as far as actual hearts getting cut out, I, I don't know if that's the, you know, I don't know that that was the norm necessarily, but I, I do know that the brutality with which American Indians could at times approach torture and murder, you know, of other people that, that does get a little swept under the rug. I'm going to, I'm going to recommend a book um, for anyone interested in this time and place. There's a book called, um, uh, middle ground by a historian named Richard White. It's that's largely seen as like you know the seminal work on this time and place. And uh, one of the things that he talks about in it is um, the Miami, I, I believe the Miami Indians, like mm -hmm. posting like corpses like every mile on stakes, you know that kind of stuff. Um, like there, there is a lot of like the brutality. I think that's, I think that's, I think it's certainly possible. I can understand. Yes. But at the same time, it's certainly problematic for anyone to assume like with the scalping thing that that was the norm. Yeah. Cause again, like it could be like, it goes back to combat for American Indians could be as simple as, as like touching someone. Yeah. It goes back yeah. to different tribes and to different things. Exactly. And it depends. Yeah. That's, that's where it's that very, all goes back to. Yeah, you're right. Uh, some were very bloody. Some were very chill. Uh, Aaron wants to say, just checking in for a second. Never seen this or dances with wolves. Am I missing out? Well, we've talked about this for a while. You're going to find out shortly at the end here whether it is and, worth it or not. Yeah. Eric, you had and, other beefs, Eric. What else? Well, I, I think it's fun to compare something like this to like horseshit John Wayne films from the past uh, of how natives were portrayed. Oh, it's fucking I would have garbage. liked to have seen it's like the, in this, even we still have this war cry at every attack. From what I understand, that's not something that was done that often. None of the main characters that are natives do this. Uh, I kind of like to see that go away. Uh, but I, I, I love the fact that this tells the story from this point of view because it took forever to get rid of this fucking horse shit uh, representation in, in, the, in Hollywood history. Yeah, I mean, you've got American Indians playing American Indians, and unfortunately that was exceedingly rare at the yeah, time. Yeah. Between this and Dances with Wolves was pretty legendary. Yeah, or, 900... I mean, not legendary, but like, a, you know, trend-setting. Yeah. Um, though, you know, I actually... There, there wasn't a ton of historical inaccuracies that I felt I came across. Now, like, say, the massacre at Fort... Uh, William Henry, um, that's that's debated as to how many numbers, uh, how many people were, were killed as they were leaving. But that was all pretty accurate. But the whole thing where the, the French general goes to Magua and is like, I can't violate the terms. You go ahead. That, there's no reason to think that that happened. There's no evidence. Uh, in fact, Montcalm, from what I understand, lived in shame after that ended up happening right. uh, for the for the most of his days. And he was just scandal century back in the day for him who was assumed to have carried out that act and it yeah and it's been blown up i mean again like you know at least a hundred or more people died i'm like not, not trying to minimize it but the number has been blown up into like a thousands and stuff and like um you know, it, because like it became like this war story the really the main thing i think that like i struggled the most with is when like um I forget who uh, one of the uh, one of the Englishmen is like leaving the Fort H William Henry to like warn the family. And then like it's, it's and then like Uncas and and Nathaniel are like sniping with fucking flintlock muskets. I'm like, <laughs> yes. This, yes. this is this is not a thing. I'm sorry. These things go like 300, 350 feet top. Thank like, you. The guy in the like woods a mile out way down there. Yeah, the guy they, they couldn't get the one guy, but he got the one guy way deep in the woods through tons of trees no, I'm like, what yeah. the fuck is this just, these are not accurate weapons 
yeah like all of a sudden he's mystical they're both mystical like no like you could have yeah. you could have you could have had something similar happen without it being quite as far-fetched but but like you know that's that's it my complaints as far as historical inaccuracies are inaccuracies are they're there's not that many of them, honestly. Like the Even most the of them shot of Duncan, be- though. What about he shot Duncan to ease his pain because he was being yeah. fried to death? Yeah. But they wouldn't have noticed that. They're not morons, too. Like, oh, oh shit, yeah. you just shot. <laughs> you didn't they you wouldn't just hear the crack. Of we the- wanted to burn him, you asshole. Like, turn- yeah. We just let you go, you dick. We wanted this guy to burn. <laughs> and then they, they, know would, what? Yeah, they would turn around and chase him. That yes. brings up an interesting thing that I co- tried to concentrate on the the violence in the film and the, the brutality. Um, it seemed a little bit. This may be just me. It seemed a little sanitized, and I could have no, used no, some no, fucking Mel feeling. Gibson type brutality in here. It seemed a like fucking low camera Disney stuff, like, cartoon, like boop, like uh, I, I wasn't feeling the 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 visceral nature of the, the cuttings of the necks and stuff. A lot of the stuff was just like under the camera. You could see blood spurting up a tad. You're right, though. It was based on what I saw. That's I got the same vibe. Maybe it was a sensor thing because I remember like when Braveheart came out. That was. One of the things that got the most attention for was the absolute br- fucking brutality that Mel Gibson did. But there's a lot of murder in this movie. A lot of you know wartime mort- murder, but still, there's a lot of killing. There's a lot of murder. Murder. Yeah, it's still murder. Uh, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of violence in this film. I, I, I like and Michael Mann is not known for like just shying away from violence, but I could see like you know there's, he didn't need to lean into it. You know, <laughs> I mean like. You do have someone's heart getting cut out. You don't. Do we need to see? Like we see the heart itself. That's pretty gory. Like, do we need to see it getting carved out of his chest? You know, stuff like that. Uh, I could. It definitely would have. I. I was just looking at the horse they put right in front of that, so I wouldn't have to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I also completely confused who Gray Hair was. I thought he meant Monroe, the Mohicans, (laughs) until he killed Monroe. I'm like, oh, that's what he meant. I just didn't know. I. Uh, it's hard to keep track of some of this stuff as a first-time viewer. <laughs> it's a lot going on, a lot of names, and some of it's tough to understand at times. There's no subtitles. I'd like to see there's subtitles for the language I don't understand, but I like to have my English subtitles on too, so I can catch every word. When I don't know the movie, I miss a few things here and there. If you're not paying attention, a lot of the dialogue is short and to the point, and you need to hear it because it does tell you things that's going on in this movie. Did you guys spot the young Jared Harris from the beginning of the movie? I did. Speaking I of did punchable, like I was like, oh my god, I hate you so much in this movie, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's so evil. One. He's the guy in the beginning that's like uh, the the British soldier that's telling them, like that's calling them to fight for right. the British. Oh you, yeah, okay, yeah. So how do we? How do we? What do we think about the great Daniel Day Lewis here? We haven't had a chance to talk about him. I mean, I'm sure he like ate rabbits like every day and like built fires all day or whatever. He, Fucking did, did method wise, but how, how did he do? Like, uh, does it strike you as one of his better performances? The voice, uh, the accent—it's uh, not an accent. I don't know. It doesn't fit. Uh, I, I'm confused with when he spoke. I don't know what I expected, but uh, it was a war to... party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cadence, maybe. I don't know. Something was a little off for me with Kentucky. there, but Kentucky. Yeah, uh, yeah. But again, but he English was supposed to be his second language. Right. That's true. Right. That's true. And I, you, we all know he definitely, he, I, I think he homework. wanted to be authentic as possible because he always does. And he gave everything he to this so part. Bad. I bet he smelled so bad. It said uh, even this got to him, though. Apparently, this made him start smoking again. This the oh, really? shoot was pretty rough because it went on and on and on. And it was in the Very, woods. And 
very physical role. It's a that 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 to me is what impresses me most about. Well, yeah, for everybody, but especially for him and and Uncas and a couple other people. Like, yeah, like Madeline West Snow Foodie. hanging out in the woods all the time. Like apparently yeah. she would have. This is what the I'm she's not swinging says. hatchets and shit though. I mean, like, <laughs> no, but she's know. out there, you know, roughing it. I guess I don't know. Sure, she didn't sure. Rough it. It's a movie, Mike. They can go off to a trailer with fucking Michael. star trailers over there yeah. in heartbeat. She so, wasn't yeah. sleeping on a tree. Um, <laughs> but but uh, no, yeah, like I, I, that was what impressed me most was the physicality of the role. I, I, I would not put it in the top, you know, five or twenty even. Or I, I mean, he probably done like twenty roles, but um, can't do it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it in his top tier um, stuff personally. Yeah, I can't do that. I mean, it's a nice, it's a solid job. Uh, I'm not, I'd be curious to see if somebody a little more uh, brute. Bald? Bald? <laughs> Take away those locks and are you as impressed? Uh. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Like, uh, you know, but you never get a haircut out there too, right? There's, I mean, I guess people did have cut knives. their hair and stuff. And they but do no, have knives. But American Indians and... don't cut their, cut their hair. That's like, a, that's the fucking thing. You don't do that. <laughs> yeah. He, he wouldn't well, do that because he's living on his, you know. There's nothing about his. Yes, that's true. There's nothing about what he did in this movie that was amazing or awful in any way. It was just a nice, solid role. Good for him. Uh, Michael Mann's a guy who I think should deserve the most credit for creating this because... Hold on, hold on. When you're when you're running up a 45-degree angle loading a flintlock musket at the same time, that's fucking intense and completely respectable. I think there's a lot of things we didn't even notice. That's that impossible, doing though, man. Some of that, that's, I don't know if that's possible to do <laughs> a that. A lot of that, yeah. <laughs> we don't it. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it takes like a minute to five to... The I'm two muskets thing, that's where I really lost it. Two muskets in each one. Thank God someone loaded it. them for me because it takes a good minute to five minutes to load these things. It takes a while. <laughs> I will give him credit. He did pick up another musket of a dead guy as he was going by because yeah, it was preloaded. Yeah. He didn't get to shoot it. That's cool. I'll give him little points for that. But um, they had to do that in this movie. You don't do the two-gun action movie thing with muskets. <laughs> no, there is a name that we have to say here that we haven't spoken yet that, that deserves a ton of credit, and that's uh-huh. cinematographer Dante Spinati. Mm, this movie it, like there are so many scenes that look like a painting that that oh, shot early on of like the bridge over the water oh, you see the bridge gorgeous with the water and the british i mean it's like i'm like i i could i could i would hang that in my living room <laughs> just a picture yeah. of that like it's fucking gorgeous uh dante spanata yeah. has always been my favorite cinematographer and i've oh. always been i've always been partial to his work um indoors to be honest i think he does like he, he does really good like um with oranges and like okras and like these dark kind of colors blue but the, green well you got a lot of that out outdoors i guess what you got in this movie and um mm-hmm. and and uh yeah i thought he i thought he did a fucking fantastic job and i i, I love i love the way this movie looks one of my favorite scenes is uh when hayward first goes to general webb's uh um fort and they're inside and they're having that meeting the scene is so underlit, and in any other movie, you would it just looked like this fucking lame Hollywood stage. You just have all these shadows yeah. in the background because there wouldn't be any light source, and, and Spinati takes advantage of that, much like, of course, Kubrick did with Barry, Barry Lyndon, but there's all sorts of these instances. When yeah. the Huron are, are walking through the woods, I mean, when have you seen the woods look this beautiful in a movie? And you just see these shapes going by, reflected in the sunlight, so gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a, a legend. I mean, he could he's do this, legend. and then he could lay it out in LA Confidential with like glossy, classy '40s look. He can oh, do anything, yeah, or, or he so, can make it pop, like with uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. I mean, like that's a that's a very like vibrant and and like current feeling movie. <laughs> what it is? I just think it's funny to mention both those movies and then Ant Man and the Wasp in the same breath. I, I like it better than. <laughs> 
both the movies we're talking no, about. No, not LA Confidential. Don't <laughs> not give that, right? yeah, I do. Oh, not fuck you. That, right? Come on. Fuck you. I like man. it better. I can like whatever I want to like. You fix the no. shit. Uh, I'm not going to fix that. I can't fix you. I'm allowed to like whatever oh, I want to like, motherfucker. Well, you can like what you like, but there's just no way that's true. I, I think uh, Ant-Man and the Watts is better. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I really like fun. the fact that they uh <laughs> trying to think of something to say. So it's less. Awkward. No, I mean, come on. We talk- <laughs> oh, you started telling me, fuck me for my opinion. We got to get to the we got to wrap this up. We started earlier on this, too. We got to wrap this up. I think we there's got so much more to talk about. What? We covered fucking shitloads already. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this movie, it's true, but um, we, we do typically wrap up at an hour and a half, I guess. Um, Get your last thought out. Go ahead. Say whatever you want. Yeah, Come on. Is there are, any, you know, check your notes. Is there anything you want to What are you dying to say? Come on. What did we miss? Mr. Branch. Uh, well, I, there's not many women in it, especially on the native side. When you're dealing with a matriarchal society, like a lot of Native American tribes were, you've got um, uh, no women anywhere who pretty much would have been the predominant voice in, in a mm-hmm. family. Uh, and they're, they're not existent. Um, that was one of the things I found interesting a little bit, too, was like um, this movie you had an opportunity to play with the idea of like chiefs and generals and stuff, because like, you know, Western culture, European culture, they, t- we, they typically look at like, there's got to be one person in charge. And then like, but the reality for like American Indians is like, there was many chiefs. There's, there's a council. There are usually councils. And as you say, they're often matriarchal in form. So like I, th- that was not the most authentic stuff I've, I, that I've seen in, in, in film either. Yeah. We also I, didn't get enough of that though, too. Like we, we didn't get to jump into their groups and their worlds enough. It was brief. So I, I also feel like they kind of half-assed it because they didn't spend enough time there. And maybe Michael Mann had a three-hour cut where he wanted to do a lot more of that. But I also wonder about the motivation for Uncas and the father. I, I wonder why they didn't kind of like... Well, okay, yeah. so Uncas, <laughs> Uncas starts to fall in love with Alice, but it's very subtle. But, like, why why don't they be like, yo, bro, like, we got, we're going to Kentucky. Well, this is not our fight. And especially as, as they're bringing them to Fort William Henry, like, they're, like, crossing through, like, like they see that, they're like, I, I get it. Like, they see that there's there's soldiers be, like you know there's Huron soldiers behind them coming and then they so they kind of have to cross the water to get to go into Fort William Henry but it's like did you really mm. could you've gone the other like go left <laughs> and like maybe just not take her take those girls to the place that was clearly a, a, a scary and violent place where bad things would likely happen to them okay oh good point that's true all right well, there it is. There, that was. We got a little bit more for you, Eric. Let's you call go. it what it is, Eric Branstrom. This movie's in the can. Uh, who's going first? I can't track anymore. Why don't you go first? Anymore. Why don't you go first? first I don't know. Uh, okay, fine. I'll go first. I don't care. I'll tell you this. This is a movie directed by Michael Mann. We covered all that. You know all the specifics. Uh, it's actually pretty entertaining. It's uh, sweeping and gorgeous and powerful. And and in the end, uh, as a first time watcher of the film. Pretty fun at times, but a little bland early on. Kind of what one of the reviewers said. It, it does get off to kind of a confusing. Uh, you have to get your bearings in this movie. It's like, where am I? Who's who? What's going on? Maybe I should have given like a little a pamphlet, like a pre-pamphlet to kind of fill me in on what's going on with the war at that time. So I'd have a That's better fair. understanding. Like, oh, OK, I get it. All right. So here's where we are. Uh, but there wasn't one of that. There wasn't a there was a novel, but it was an actual novel, not like a movie novel based on the movie. You know, it was James Fernandez Cooper. Well done. Never read the novel. I'm actually going to read the novel now because I never did. So that I think that alone inspires me enough to say that this movie holds up because I want to read the book to find out more. And until then, uh, I'm in. I, 
I thought it was a bigoted bullshit where a white guy played a Native American, and no. that was not the case. <laughs> if you think that, if you're younger and you're from a newer generation, you're like, oh, my God, look at this white asshole. We're talking about all these Native Americans. It's not like that. It really isn't. Uh, check out the source material and dive into it a little bit more. And that's what I learned. So, uh, it, you know, it's a rock-solid film. I'll give it a holds up. Music. Um, hmm. Music. Eric, Beautiful music. I mean, I'm hearing music somewhere. Anyways, Eric, you go ahead. Do you want uh, I, I fucking love this movie. In fact, I think this is the first movie that I've uh, reviewed on the show that I ended up actually buying the Blu-ray for. I went ahead and ordered it because I'm, I'm planning on watching this many, many times over. It's stuffed with, with so many wonderful things, not just technically, but on a story level. You, they, the crown versus colonist politics are in there. Uh, it says a lot of things about like the agency of the natives. They're not just these quiet warriors. They barter intellectually with the French and the English for trade or political grade uh, gain or even spite. Um, and, and basically, you just have this, yeah, it's sweeping and it's epic, but I mean, it's 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 beautiful. When, when the Ford is surrendered, you have hundreds of extras in period garb and this beautiful matte shot of Fort Webb in the back. I don't think it's a, a matte. I think they built Fort Webb for like $6 million or some shit, but it's just the kind of movie you don't see a lot. And I, I think it absolutely holds uh, up. We didn't get a chance to talk about in the beginning, you have this family who are formerly indentured servants and they're, they're these victims of displacement and, and not a lot of people talk about that scene. I love it. Yeah, they're beholden to no one, but they're susceptible to attack because none of this land was available to these poor farmers. And just investigating that and taking the time, even when you have what is essentially like this action movie, I give it a lot of credit for, for little details like that. Uh, I love the movie. The performances are fucking awesome. The score is is beautiful. I uh, can't wait to see it again, to be honest with you guys. All right. Um, so like I said, the last time I'd watched this movie before, before last, which was like 20 years ago or so, I, I, I just thought it was trash, um, overwrought maudlin melancholy, like just fucking just <laughs> overdone. Um, so I was not excited to watch it again, but as I told you, Eric, over our text, you know, that I was going to go in with an open mind and, uh, and I found myself, you know, repeatedly impressed by the historical accuracy um you mentioned like the indentured the, the cameron family that's yeah, the, cameron that's slaughtered like you're right like again we're talking about the frontier um poor whites would often be the ones forced to the edge of the frontier right, right. and pushing further into often territory that had been arranged through treaty to not be interfered with but the indentured servants kind of needed somewhere to go the former indentured servants um so you, that you would have conflict for those reasons. And then there's also this other scene where um, you get this sense that like the American colonists who are fighting on the side of the English are like, what the fuck? These people are so different from us. Like they don't have the same values. They don't have the same standards. They're, they're, they're treating us like we and our, and our families are just completely disposable and dispensable. And that's often, I think one of the things that's left out of stories about the American revolution is all of the conflict um, and, and contention that built during the French and Indian War between Americans who th had previously thought of themselves as English. And then they're confronted with having like a huge English force around them that they're working with side by side and like being like, fuck, we've actually 
we got a lot of differences between us, even in language and culture and everything, like and value. So like uh, so and you and you get that in the movie, and it's not even that heavy handed. It's actually done pretty well. So uh, as much as I, 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 you know, still kind of cringe at the the romantic uh, angle of it, and th- there's part of me that's always going to be like, why are their teeth all so nice? But you know, <laughs> like that's nitpicky as fuck. Uh, when you get down to it, this is a surprisingly really accurate, um, I think, a piece of, of cinema uh, for being a historical fiction. Uh, I don't think it's the best work that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis by, did by any by any means, but he's certainly capable. I mean, it's fucking Daniel Day-Lewis. And again, like the direction's great and the cinematography is fucking fantastic. This movie holds up much to my surprise. Yay. There you go, Eric. Aren't you happy? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm I, pleased that you chose it because I would not have watched it probably for the rest of my life. Otherwise, of yeah. that's what it's Who all knows about. how long it would have gone on. I would have been living a lie for decades. So. <laughs> <laughs> glad, I'm glad you helped me. You got me to a better place, Eric. You Thank saved you. us, Eric. Just like Hawkeye. You're the like white the, savior. The white savior or Hawkeye? You guys Turns out I'm comment. the white savior. Fuck. Hey, white shadow. <laughs> All right, there it is. What'd you guys think? Agree, disagree? Send them in iPod, protonmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you think. Is this movie trash? Do we get it wrong? We're willing to admit it when we make mistakes. We will accept all opinions, but it doesn't mean we have to agree with them. Right, Travis? We, we all have opinions. Exactly, yeah. like Ant-Man and the Wasp versus LA Confidential. Like <laughs> I mean, it's pointless to compare them. Toy Story 3 versus Blade Runner. Why? Why would we compare oh. them? I don't know why. But I, never I would saw go Toy compare Story. them all day. I would, I would go Blade Runner. But I know but Eric's always ready bitch. to compare everything. So. <laughs> <sighs> well, this Mike. The film. Yeah, uh, also, so we have a guest host following next week's show, right? Yeah, correct. Correct. We have a we have a guest host. Yeah. So you you're picking the movie for next week, and then the following week, my friend Donnie from the podcast All American Spook Show will be joining us. All American Spook Show. Check it out, Donnie. Donnie. Good to have you aboard, Donnie. Looking forward to it. I wonder what Donnie will pick since his show is called All American Spook Show. And also, we should probably mention I I invited Brian Rowe from the new podcast. uh, What this song means to me. I invited him. Brian uh, Seymour. Brian Seymour, I apologize. I don't know where Who's I Brian from. Rowe. Is that from high school? I think this I think that's someone we went to high school with. Yeah. <laughs> I think sorry. It is. Yeah. Brian um Brian, I got, Yeah, I don't know where I got Rowe. Sorry about that, Brian. You really did. He was from high school. I forgot about Brian yeah, Rowe. Holy I, shit. I swear I got anyways. Um so anyways, so shout out to him. Mike and I yes. have both recently been on his show. Mike's episode is already published, so you can check that out. Uh, my episode will be up later at some point, and we'll be, we're looking forward to him. Did you do it yet? The show. Yeah, I did it yesterday. Oh shit. Yeah, I did it yesterday. Can you at least so, tell uh, us a song, or are you not going to tell us? Oh, why would I tell you that? <laughs> well, I, I shared the song at least, but I got to hear the story to figure out what the song's about. So. <laughs> the song that I chose is Peace Peace by Bill Evans. Oh. Oh, that, I I can't wait to read because I have no idea what that even means. So I'm definitely going <laughs> to listen. That's Jacko's so. boating song. Uh, also, is- our friend, yeah. Our friend Chris Deary did his episode the other day, too. So everyone's oh, doing an episode. <laughs> so, so, so check out Brian's podcast, What This Song Means to Me. Yeah, it's on Spotify and App Podcast. It just came out officially yesterday. So the first three episodes were rolled out. Mine, I think his sister's and his, which was Tool Lateralis. He's a big tool. And Dave Horning, you'd love this guy. He's a tool psycho. You guys should hook up. Uh, talk about tool. Uh, not that that's anyone's business on a podcast, but I put it out there. Anyway, what it's color really good... was Dave's truck in high school? That's a real question. Right us here oh, at Cinema 9 Pod. I think he, de- he, de- he had to have a station wagon type thing, or like a hatchback yeah, wagon, didn't he? he didn't have I a think truck. he did. I yeah, not a truck guy. 
Uh, Millenni- the Millennium Falcon, the Aluminum Falcon. I had this car actually. Yeah, I saw uh, Gray Pontiac Six Thousand. Yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Aluminum Falcon Live. That was a good show. Yeah. Remember that? So. Yes, he named his band after the car that I my mom bought for me from him. <laughs> it's all true. It's all true. It's an absolute true story. Cinema, Cinema Nine fans, you need to know. If they make a movie about it, this will be authentic. I want to see it authentic <laughs> to a T. Done. Story. We're heading west to Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but check out the series. All series, please check out that podcast. It's really cool. What this song means to me. It's new. We really, I think it's a great idea. And people are like sharing cool stories about songs and what it means to them. It's a lot of fun. Actually, sometimes it's not, but it's also a great idea. Regardless. Yeah, mine's depressing as fuck. Fair warning. Exactly. But if maybe fun's the wrong word, if you actually want to hear like a genuine story from people, you like storytelling, it's perfect. It's not just like somebody talking about a song. And the band for 40 minutes. They tell you a story about their lives based around a song. Pretty cool. Very cool. All right. So, uh, so I guess I got Yeah, you are next, my friend. You have to pick a movie if you haven't already. If you haven't been yeah, vamping I, I have in the co- back of your mind. Oh, you I have something. a couple in the hopper here that I really want to do. And it's All been right. tough to decide between them. Uh, what did I pick last time? I was disappointed with it. I feel like it didn't really uh, I think you did Dogma. Yeah, it was a oh, fun yeah. show. Yeah, that was a fun show. show. Okay, you're yeah, right. I forgot. We said society 14 times. How can I forget that? Society, society, society. Uh, no, that's cheating. Chad, don't add those. Those don't count. <laughs> so I was really debating over three movies. Uh, one is in, I'll give you the dates. Uh, okay. One's in 2010, mm-hmm. one's in 2000, and one's in 1991. Let's do the and, 2010. Uh, we just did 92. We did do 92. You're right. Okay. 2010, you said? All right, then we're doing it. That's what I said. What do you say, Eric? Uh, Don't matter to me. I'm I'm the end of my seat. What do you got? Well, if you say 2010, then we're doing it. We're actually going to do How Do You Know? The James Brooks movie featuring Jack Nicholson, which is an interesting (laughs) film. I want to get the... uh, How do you know? It kind of came and went, and Jimmy Brooks always hit it. Like, Jimmy Brooks always made hits, and this one kind of came and went. So I want to find out 10, 11 years later, what happened with this movie? Paul Rudd? Jack Nicholson, Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, uh, Catherine Hahn. I mean, it's got a great cast. So let's see what happens. Interesting choice. I've never seen it. Yeah, I I skipped it. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought about like, you know, it's not like it has a lot of star power, but it kind of came and went. So I thought it would be worth it. Cool. Okay, cool. Cool. I'll save the other two for my next time. So yeah. All right. We'll get to those another time. All right. Cool. Next week. How do you know? A 2010 film directed by. Jimmy Brooks, also known as James L. Brooks. Our buddy Jim Brooks. Yeah, our buddy Jim. Uh, known for <laughs> a lot of good stuff. Uh, damn it. Mikhail's Navy loses again. Yes, I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah, I know <laughs> Mikhail's Navy. Damn it. Sorry, I know you were really hoping. <laughs> Holding out for Down's per- Down Periscope. <laughs> I literally was just yeah, about to make future. that joke. Yeah, that's all down you got. Right? Anything else? Anything out pants? to sea. Yeah, out to sea yeah. can cap off the trilogy. <laughs> oh. out to sea, yeah. It's more like a rom-com, though. That wasn't right? that bad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> submarine comedy? That. What else we got? What is another submarine comedy? Not a comedy, um, yeah. U571's terrible. Don't watch what that. What about movie. the uh, Life Aquatic? I mean, that's... A, that's oh, yeah. Movie. That'll work. Yeah, I think that would technically qualify. I do. Yeah. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Trilogy. Right, thank you, no, no, we're going to go through all the submarine comedies. Yeah, all going to here and listen to it. Yeah, that's a good idea. You're right. Let's extend this further. All right, you guys have been... Made a good show. Good job today. Good choice. The movie surprises. You never know what you get each week on the Cinema 9 pod. Thanks to everybody. Catch you later. Listen to us next week. I will find you. (laughs) 